Keep your finger on the pulse of the financial industry with Finteract, an online community of forward-thinking financial advice professionals. Finteract is your digital hub to stay on top of trends, start conversations, connect with fresh perspectives, and gain valuable insights from peers. No sales pitches, just a collaborative, members-only community to help you maintain a growth mindset, inspire others, and learn new ways to propel your business forward. Apply to join at Finteract.net. Welcome to an industry in transition, the must-listen-to podcast for financial advisors and industry leaders from Tony Sirianni, the CEO and publisher of Advisor Hub, where we explore the week's news and events and put our ever-changing business into perspective. Tony is joined each week by industry leaders, mavericks, and disruptors who give their take on our industry and their thoughts on where we are headed. If you want to remain relevant, you can't miss it. Now, here's your host, Tony Sirianni. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Tony Sirianni Podcast. I am thrilled to have my friend Mike Papora. From, he's the president of Wealth Management at DA Davidson, for those of you who don't know him. So welcome, Michael. Good morning, Tony. Happy to, happy to be here from beautiful Seattle this morning. Well, I see your hair is growing back, so that's a positive, too, since our, our last conversation. Yeah, the, uh, the markets have gotten a little bit better, and that generally creates a little less stress. So it it's certainly- <laughs> well, at least at least you have it. So that's a that's a positive, too. So speaking of markets, I mean, we're kind of entering a weird place for stock people, right, where cash is sort of now better than 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 stocks, according to some people. And how, how and you're in the field all the time, you know, so how are the advisors handling and what are you telling them? You know, we've we've always preached a, a a balanced portfolio approach, Tony. So we we our our research people don't make dramatic calls on equity movements or significant asset allocation changes. So the the move in rates has simply mean meant some of the asset classes that have underperformed have an opportunity to actually contribute a little bit, right? Yeah. The people who are using whatever cash solution now are getting three, four, four and a half percent buying short-term rates that are four to five percent. So that's that's been good, but it really has an impact in our our theories around investing, which have been create a balanced portfolio, tweak it as your goals and objectives change. Don't try to to time the market. But it's been good because it wasn't so long ago people were were asking whether or not people should have cash and whether 64 had gone the way to the dodo birds and for for some reason there's always a correction that reminds us that 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 balanced approach still works yeah i mean it's incredible how the the, the basics right uh you know, stick with them and that's really been you know something that uh, you guys have stuck to your knitting on you know the, the planning aspects and and who you're hiring and and um so i guess the follow-up question would be i'm assuming none of this stuff has impacted what you're looking for in advisors as you're looking to grow the firm no, not, not not at all. We've we've always been someone who we've we've been deliberate in our growth. Perhaps at times, Tony, a little bit too deliberate. But you know, it's it's all about who are we recruiting. Um, let's recruit people who have the same same values we do, which is really to be to be client focused and people who deliver advice during life's key moments and are are focused on the clients. And that hasn't changed. You know. We've tried to change how we invest to support that business, Tony, making sure that we're always thinking about advice and planning and investing in the people and technology. Um, but that 
those are the attributes we've looked for in financial advisors over the years. Well, it's, it's one of the things, you know, that uh, when you look at what's going on in the industry, you know, uh, just like you said, making these investments, you know, s- scale matters, right? The fact that, that I don't think people understand, Dave, Davidson is a pretty big company, you know, it's got, it has the scale, right? You, you, you are investing in advisors, businesses and all that. Uh, and by the way, in turn, there's an equity component too, because I think as as the industry kind of you know move everything kind of moving towards the middle, Michael. So you you got to figure out how do I differentiate myself? Kind of dead center, the multicultural. I mean, multi-custodial, multi, you know, and equity. It's all it's all there, you know. So you guys are are you know can compete there because of the scale, and and, and you do have an equity component too. Right. We know we not that we can compete, Tony. We we do compete. Right, the people who come and hear our story understand that we're a we're a diversified financial services firm that's grown significantly, and wealth management's the core of the business. We're about sixty to sixty-five percent of the company, but we do have capital markets businesses. We do own a trust company. We're a private company that shares the equity with people, so they get a piece of the rock the the minute they come join us. Everybody's a shareholder within one year. And that makes a big difference to us. I mean, it really, we've believed in the ESOP model for a long time, Tony, that that the people who come and join us then take a greater pride in seeing the firm succeed and understanding that every decision they make doesn't just impact them, but it impacts people across the whole country. And that, that attitude is what's kept us around for 90 years and frankly is gonna keep us around for another 90 years. So, you know, one of the other things that you see in the industry today is, is this continued, you know, continued mergers, continued acquisition. We talked about scale a little bit. A couple of years ago, I thought, man, this is really going at a, at a pace. How long could this continue? Now I'm kind of of the opinion, you know, maybe we're like four and a half innings. I mean, we still have room to go. What, what are you thinking? Yeah, absolutely. There, there's always going to be room for what I would call our boutiques. As you know, I don't use the word regional anymore. Many of Many of our frenemies are now national boutiques, and that's what Davidson is. We've got retail offices from, you know, Bellingham, Washington to Lexington, South Carolina. But we we do have to grow. Your 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 position on scale is correct. We've got to continue to grow. We don't have a we don't have crazy goals in terms of headcount. Um, you know, we're 370 advisors, averaging about nine hundred thousand dollars in production. I'm challenged all the time. Do you need to get bigger? We do. Um, but the good news is that while inflation's had an impact on some costs, the costs of technology have actually gone down. Yeah. There are some efficiencies there, which will make us even more competitive going forward with the bigger firms. So that's a that's a good thing, Tony. So I I, I kind of let's spend a little time on that, you know, regional, you know, boutique kind of you know conversation because I think that. That it's interesting. I think, as we mentioned, you know, firms are kind of moving to the middle. You had this 10 years ago, there's this big, you know, independence versus the wires kind of, you know, fight, right? So you could say independence, independent firms, you know, won, right? Because they're, uh, but they won not necessarily the model, in my opinion, but the ethos one, the fact that, you know, treat advisors decently, there's transparency, the primacy, the advisor-client relationship. I think that regional slash boutique firms can rightly say, well, where have you guys been? We've been doing this for 
20 years, right? So I think there's that. It's an interesting idea where you're kind of in the same ethos, right? Everyone kind of is in the middle here, you agree, but they're not all independents or RIAs. There's a lot of ways to be uh, culturally the same, right? And the fact that you have an ESOP, the fact that you have scale, which a lot of those, of course, independent firms don't have. Right. So it's an, it's a good advantage. You, know, you can kind of shoot both ways. You can <laughs> go against the wires. And then this is an opportunity that where we, we agree on all this culture, but we're not a standalone RIA in the wilderness kind of thing. Right. To, to me, Tony, everything you've talked about, the moving towards the middle, we've become an increasingly unique firm. In fact, I would argue there's nobody like us that's, you know, independent, employee owned, not owned by a bank, self-clearing national in nature, has a trust company, has an asset manager, offers a, an increasing suite of of, uh, uh, of alternative investments. There's virtually nobody like us because yeah. of that consolidation and the fact that there's, you know, a, really a handful of boutiques and then the me mega firms. That makes our, our story more attractive, right? As we're sitting down with an, an advisor, we can talk about the fact that sure, being independent means you own your own business. But here at DA Davidson, you're going to own part of a bigger business. You're going to be diversified in and of itself and still have all of the benefits of being independent because of the cultural entrepreneurial ethos, to use your words, that you talked about. It's just in a different package. And I would argue a, a better package where people don't have to worry about being business owners and operators and can focus all their time on their clients, which is what we wanna do as a firm. We always talk about build a platform so people can focus on their clients. That's what they do really well. But but they own their businesses too. I mean, you, you're not chasing guys down and suing them, all that kind of stuff, right? I mean, so that's a that's another same thing as in, if you're independent, you own your business, but, but if you work with you, you also own your business. Right, you own a piece of a, really a bigger, interesting national boutique, Tony, which, you know, we were always uh, very conscientious, but historically, it's treated them very well financially as well. Yeah, yeah, it's a good, like I said, scale is sometimes what's missing, you know, and, and people, I think, you know, they were afraid of scale, because scale is what chased them out of a big bank, right? you know, what I mean? but their scale and their scale. Yeah, well, but, you know, we're, we're going to do 600, $650 million in revenue. And our CEO and board have made it very clear that DA Davidson is going to be a billion-dollar business. And we've kept a pretty humble, low profile, with the exception of spending a little bit of time with you and your compatriots. But when people come to visit us, they're surprised at the size and sophistication of the business. And we're well aware that we've got to continue to grow so we can have the right platform for people. And we are going to continue to grow. Yeah, that's, um, what do you see um, as some of the biggest challenges today, you know, for advisors? I mean, we talked about the markets a little bit. Um, I, I think part of what we've talked about is some of the confusion of, you know, the, where the industry, wealth management firms are, right? I mean, there's, it's hard to differentiate them, but what do you, what do you see as some of the challenges? For yeah, for, for, for an FA, I think there's two, two real challenges. One, just navigating the regulatory environment, which is across all firms, but trying to deliver an exceptional client experience while still meeting 
all of the regulatory needs, the disclosure needs, the documentation needs. And, That's a scale, right? This is part of the scale conversation. It's very hard yeah. to do one. <laughs> and again, it's that's it's incumbent upon our firm and frankly, all firms to continue to examine workflows and rules, take risk where you can, leverage technology, do everything you can. But that's the that's the that's one of the big challenges is just how do you operate in a highly regulated business and still do it efficiently and deliver a, a client service model? And then the second challenge I believe that they face is that they have to continue to expand their advice offering, right? We've seen an evolution during your, your and I tenure where we've gone from investment centric to planning centric, right? Well, now planning's become almost commoditized. So you have to look through different sleeves within that advice offering. And we're thinking about that all the time with our advisors. Where are the other types of advice within planning where we can add value so that way we strengthen that relationship with the client and that the external factors are not an issue, that they're loyal to the firm and then loyal to the advisor. Yeah. And, you know, another challenge that I see, too, is, you know, and this has been coming on for quite some time, but I think there's opportunity there as well. Prospecting, right? How, how do you get new clients? You know, advisors are looking to purchase other practices, right? And right. that could be fraught with a lot of issues too, because it's a it sounds like an easy way to, you know, add another hundred million dollars. But if you're not prepared to take on that business, you're gonna have all kinds of trouble, right? right. And then um, you know, prospecting, doing what we're doing now, Zoom. I mean, right? This was not something that was uh that you and I did when we started this business, it didn't it didn't exist. So it's an opportunity, but you also can't cold call. So that's a challenge too. But there's social media. And regulation. I mean, it's a it's interesting time for that. Yeah, and and, and our our top advisors, and this isn't terribly unique to Davidson, but the top advisors in our business do an excellent job, right? right. Across, I mean, it's a noble profession. They deliver an exceptional client experience. When they do that, we, we've seen at our firm is they're they're growing. They're they're receiving referrals of clients who are like their clients, and that's how they grow their practice. And yes, it's become awful easy. As you know, it's crazy how competitive the book acquisition world is, both internally and externally, and that there is still work involved there. It's not plug and play. And you know, FAs who do that need to really make sure they understand it's a business integration. And if they want to maximize the value that they get, from what's becoming more expensive to do every day, then they better have a really good plan of attack. And at Davidson, our practice management team really prepares people well. But we've seen externally a lot of deals that haven't worked because people have just assumed you're going to plug and play. And that's not the case on a book deal. Yeah. Or they, you know, they go out to dinner and they like each other, but, you know, they're very, very diverse businesses. I mean, you may want to, you may want to hire this guy that's got a, or, or merge with a guy who's got a $10 million muni book, but that doesn't fit your firm or your practice or your, you know, the way you deal with clients. I mean, it's a, it's a process. Right. Absolutely. And that's another, that's another reason you need scale sometimes to help, you know, some, someone to sort of help answer some of those, you know, things. Um, just in general, you know, I know we, we sort of hit all, hit all around it. But the state of the industry, I think there's there's people kind of on, uh, we talked a little bit, of maybe it's overheating, but it we always seem to think it's overheating and then it never quite overheats, you know, in terms of the the mergers and the, and, and the people moving. Um, 
what are you seeing sort of on the horizon? And we talked about challenges, but for the industry, you know, where 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 do you see sort of us landing in four or five years? Or what trends do you see now, you know, that are going to, you know, sort of, we're going to have to get a line behind in the next oh, five years? Let me start at a high level. And I touched on this earlier. I it's a very noble business, Tony, and the the advice business isn't going to go away. So I remain very optimistic that the wealth management business, that the advice business has got a very long time horizon out of it. Uh, the value of advice is never going to go away, Tony. There will be a lot of things that, ch that change, the types of advice we deliver, how we deliver it, what we charge for it. But okay. I remain very optimistic about, about our business. Now, some of the nuances is whether there'll be more people independent, whether people will continue to pay a great deal for the book. Those things are all going to wash themselves out over time. I believe there's going to be a continued trend towards people who want to work at boutiques and people who want to be RIAs. And, and their people are going to educate themselves and move from the wirehouses. I believe there's going to be people who continue to expand their teams. So you're going to see bigger teams that yeah. are providing more advice. And the more efficient teams, Tony, the people who really do it well, are going to be better enabled by technology. And regardless of whether you work at a big firm or a boutique firm or you're independent, the best teams are going to have to leverage technology. They yeah. can't be they can't be afraid of AI. They've right. They've got to figure out a way to for that to enable. But them. AI, AI feels AI feels different than robo advising. Robo advising just seemed like a stupid idea. <laughs> Get going. It's a way to talk about commoditization, right? Totally commoditized. And we have we have AI um, companies that, that that we work closely with at Advisor Hub that are advertising, and these are these seem to be more advisor centric products, you know, that help help. Here's a way I'm thinking, right? I mean, are you seeing that as well? Absolutely. There's there's just no doubt that AI is going to enable advisors. It's going to enhance our experience. Now, they're going to be people who can create some competitive product, but I never viewed it as robo advising. As I've mentioned to you, I viewed it as robo-allocating, yes. right? They took a series of information. They were robo-allocators. Now, I do think they're moving more towards robo-advising and adding some more intelligence to the recommendations. But a robo-advisor is never going to tell you during those bear markets to hang in there, to stay disciplined. That's the great value that we add. A robo-advisor, not a robo-allocator, is never going to be able to hold your hand through a life's key moments where... Um, a spouse dies, or there's these incredible moments um, where you need personal human advice. Well, there are a lot of times there are reasons that you set up a portfolio in a certain way. Absolutely. I'm doing this because you have a kid that that has problems that we're going to have to take care. Of. I mean, it's a different thing than 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 somebody else, and and the, the machine's not going to be able to to do that. But I've been impressed with the amount of personal information that you can put into AI. And have AI then sort of guide on your recommendations. These are the things that you believe in as an advisor. I can put that in and go. So, so from a tech standpoint, uh, you guys are sort of getting your arms around it and backing it and, and investing in it. Yeah, for for us, it's we look at AI and say uh, traditionally Davidson has reacted to technology trends. Right, we've uh, a vendor comes up, a new technology comes up. Uh, a new rule comes up and we sort of react to it. So this year we've committed to engaging with a third party, Tony, to create a bona fide strategy 
that thinks about not only AI and digitization, but all elements of, of technology. We've pieced together a really competitive platform. When recruits join us, they're surprised, but I want it to go up one more level. I want DA Davidson and wealth management to be less reactive and take what's a good product now and make it even better by developing a strategy. And we're going to engage with a third party, create a strategy. And I would guess within the next six to 12 months, be really able to articulate and sit down with our advisors and say, here's our plan of attack. And it's yeah. not going to be so reactive. And all of it's going to be centered, Tony, around the fact that the FA is the center of the universe. We have to enable them to deliver that great experience by leveraging technology and not being afraid of it. I'm actually going to end it there because I, I'm like Jerry Lewis. I want to end at a high note. <laughs> so it's over 20 minutes, but that, I think that, that, that kind of says it all, right? That's great. Um, anything else that I missed that you wanted to talk about, Mike? You know, only Tony, I just encourage you and, and everybody in our industry, but especially you, you've got such a great voice out there. Continue to talk about the good that happens in our industry, the the good people, the the good things that are happening, the value of what we do. Um, you're you're one of our most strong voices out there. And all the firms need to be working with their their lobbyists and the regulators to make sure that people understand that, but encourage you and your team to think about that because of the great voice that you have. And as always, I'm grateful for the time, Tony, that uh, that you and advisor of give DA Davidson. Well, we're happy to have you. Good, great partnership. Um, I would say, you know, just to add on to that is if you, you've been to some events this year, you know, at our events, the, the energy is so great and it's so palpable and advisors are so fun when they get together, you know, it's just a, it's just a great time. So I look forward to seeing you at some of them this year and uh, have, a, have a great rest of the year. We'll talk again. Thank you, Tony. Thanks for joining us this week on an industry in transition. Make sure to visit our website, www.advisorhub.com and subscribe to Advisor Hub. It's free and you won't miss any advisor news or events. While you're on site, check out all the podcasts available. Click on the deals pages and resources tab for valuable content or check out the market section with its guru predictions, latest fintech offerings, you name it. Feel free to email Tony Seriani about specific questions we can address on the show. He can be reached by email at contact at advisorhub.com. Please note that all requests and questions are handled with complete discretion and confidentiality. Thank you for listening, and be sure to tune in next week for the next Industry in Transition episode.